0: Saturday Night South Podcast. He is Chris Marler. I am Connor O'Keara. Marler, have we found a Sarah Fuller jersey yet? I did.
1: I did, but it's from China, Uh, and I don't trust China right now. This is not a political statement. This is strictly because I'm an idiot and I had bought a kettlebell from China. This quarantine for Ali and got both of our accounts hacked.
0: Kettlebells so, sold in America, sold at Target. No, no,
1: no, absolutely not. There's like a shortage everywhere. Like this was, like, really? this was like a big thing. Like we couldn't find them on Amazon. We definitely couldn't. Find, they have them up to 15 pounds, uh, between like eight and 15 pounds at Target. But they were sold out of every local Target. Our also our local Target got shut down because of looting, which is welcome to Atlanta. But um, it was like it, we couldn't find we couldn't find one. We wanted one like between 25 and 35 pounds, or the adjustable. So I found an adjustable that it adds the weight on the bottom. Mm-hmm. Up to fifty pounds, and we never got it, and paid a pretty penny for it. Need to get the
0: big weights, you know. Gotta have, uh gotta make sure you're going big. If you're if not, a, what are you doing?
1: A twelve pound kettlebell. I just don't think my hips are gonna be getting much out of those swings. I'll just say it.
0: Yeah, gotta treat it like a straight leg deadlift. <laughs> they say, and okay. that was Connor and Marler on lifting weights, <laughs> which is what everybody is listening to this podcast for. No, we we have a ton to get to, and. Yeah. Um, we, we, of course, are going to talk about every every single game that happened over the weekend. Um, an interesting week in the SEC, yeah. a historic week in, in the SEC. And there are going to be people listening to this saying, oh, gosh, you guys are going to talk about Seraphore. You know what? You're darn right we're going to talk about Seraphore yeah, because I don't get it. we didn't necessarily get a chance to talk about this um, in the preview last week. Marler um, posted in Facebook group kind of about basically like what, what kind of led to to, to all that, not necessarily having our, our usual schedule with Thanksgiving and all that. So um, that's a nice little plug to go follow us on yeah. social media, follow us on, on Facebook, Saturday Down South Podcast. But yeah, we are going to talk about Sarah Fuller because that was a really, really cool moment, despite the fact that Vandy decided to do a Vandy thing and <laughs> not let Sarah Fuller become the first... Become the first woman to ever uh, yeah. kick kick a field goal in a Power Five game. She did become the first female to ever play in a in a Power Five game, which in itself, you know, just a a cool rare moment in a year of mostly crap. Yeah, I was I, I was you know everybody's tuning into that game and everybody was following along. Just as soon as Vandy would get over midfield, it, it became must see TV.
1: I um. I have so many thoughts on this, and uh, I, I did look up to get a jersey immediately, and I will get a Sarah Fuller jersey uh, for Christmas, most likely. Um, yeah, I didn't I didn't understand any of the negative feedback on it, and if you guys didn't agree with it or bothered you, it's fine. Fast forward through this, I guess, but here's the deal, I, and I'm going to hit it from both sides because there was one thing that did frustrate me about it, but you know, uh, here, here's what I thought about it, Connor. Um, you talked about like skipping last week. I've, I've said this numerous times through the year. 2020 has been a nightmare, right? And I just, I've told this to other people on the pod, like sometimes like working in social media, you need like a mental health break because people are just so negative. They're just so negative. And I just didn't get that response. And because it doesn't affect us. Nobody in here is like, I love Vanderbilt football more than like nobody is like Vandy football like I am about Bama football. Like, you're oh, not, like, there are un- so
0: oh. many people that watch Vandy's kickers very closely to make very sure that they're performing up to par. And, and if they don't necessarily drop ninety-yard <laughs> bombs with every single kick, they're going to let you know about
1: it. I, it, you know, it, it, there's so much of that, and I don't even want to get into like making fun of that crowd because I, I get that like, there's like there's something for everybody nowadays. And if you like, what ends up in, happening is... I remember telling Allie first, when we first met, I was like, you don't have Twitter? You should definitely get Twitter. It's amazing. Like, you, you can... <laughs> yeah, I was like, you can... It's a one-stop shop. All your favorite entertainment, celebrities, like, news, like, politics, sports. And little did I know three years later, it would be like, I hate I hate Twitter, she hates Twitter, she got off Twitter. But, but some of the comments that were being said... And again, this is a small like, portion of it. Like, like we... We posted on, on, on STS social media and it got great response. So many likes and engagement, all that kind of stuff. And there were negative responses. And, and here's my issue with it: is one, y'all don't give a about about most things Vanderbilt football ever. Okay. The other part of it is, you want to chastise her for the kick. I, I'm. It was a design confident. squib kick. It was a it was design, design, design squib kick. Swib and kick. honestly, if you think of it, if it was a squib kick, she kind of nailed it. Because she put it right in between two, two players. Bro, and You are Pat it was
0: McAfee like, saying that she nailed it. I'm yeah. going to take Pat McAfee's but, opinion over a design squib kick over a random guy who's sitting right. at home who hasn't played football in probably 25 years.
1: And, and here's the deal. If you think it was a PR stunt, fine. It, but it doesn't matter because it doesn't affect us in a negative way. It was a cool thing. <laughs> exactly. And it, it, it was. It was like, like if if you think it was a PR stunt, it, like he was like, yeah, they just want people to talk about it. Well, like this is what I kept saying to people yesterday. I was like, sir, you're talking about it. Like, so here you go. But but here's here's the best. I, this is the best way I can explain it for people that hated it and didn't think it was cool or whatever. And and you know, I I, I will say this. The entire – and AM fans, don't get mad at me because I'm just – I'm trying to make a point here. The entire 12th man tradition – I learned about this last Wednesday when I was watching that – or last Tuesday when I was watching that 30 for 30 on their on their special teams, ironically enough. The entire 12th man tradition – and I, I'm, I'm going to read you this, okay? On January 2nd, 1922, a heavily outgained Aggies were – they were facing top-ranked Centra, <laughs> Center College playing <laughs> – or praying col- uh, colonels – colonels – on the gridiron in the Dixie Classic in Dallas, yada, yada, yada. Basically, what happened was there was a player named, uh, an Aggie by the name of E. King Gill. He was a squad player for A.D.A.'s football team, and he was up in the press box trying to help reporters identify players on the field below, and what was happening wasn't pretty, okay? Bottom line, they had a bunch of players. They were getting injured. They needed people to come into the game. This guy, this player, this man came out of the press box, fully dressed as a football player, came down to the sideline and said, i am here if the team needs me i i will give my all for texas a&m today like if this and they rallied. he never entered the game connor never entered the game they rallied around this idea okay and um he said he, he returned to the sideline where he stood ready to play for the entirety of the game the last play was run they found they had pulled off one of the greatest subsets of cultural history they won 22 to 14. he never played right but everyone now, it's become this incredible tradition. And we know A&M, who has one of the most tradition-rich programs in the country, not just the SEC, they still marvel at this. And this is, this is something they've carried for, for over almost a century now. Because this guy came in and said, you know what? I love this f- university. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say a lot of things. I love this f- university. I'm coming out here. I want to give my all for Texas A&M. And I'm here if you need me, coach. I'm here because th- it matters to me. How many of us would sit here and say, if, if Bama needed somebody, I, 34 years old, terrible at doing deadlifts and squats, I'm running to Tuscaloosa right now if you need me, coach. Like, like love it. it. It just means more. All that kind of stuff. A girl comes off a soccer team, and from an SEC championship she played on Sunday, goes into the football, football locker room, breaks barriers, and gets the kick in a football game. And for some reason, there are people that want to chastise that. And it just speaks so much of where we are in society. We're so depraved and cynical and miserable now for whatever reason that we can't just enjoy this for what it is. And listen, if it's not for you, it's not for you. Move on. But if it's something that like doesn't affect you at all, move the f- on and let anyone else enjoy it. It doesn't matter. I don't give a blank about Midnight Yell. You know what I don't do? Get on Get on social media and be like, the Midnight Yell is stupid. They're shove it in our face. Who cares? I'm sorry I'm only using A&M traditions right now. But it just, it, like, I just, it, that really, that stood out to me. And I know that this isn't the same thing as that tradition. So any fans, like I said, don't get mad, but we glorify, and we, we sit here, and, and we, like, if that was a walk-on player, that was a man, in my opinion, people would have done, just, like, clapped nonstop for how great of an effort he put out. But it was a girl, and we live in 2020, where we have to sit here and make everything political and feel like everything is being politicized on, on either side. Just enjoy it for what it was. It was a yeah. really cool moment.
0: It was. And cool to see your post-game comments as well, where she's talking about, look, I, I hope that maybe by doing this, because it does take courage to do that. And it takes yeah. courage to, to stand up and say, yeah, I'm going to be the first to do something. Anytime you're the first to do something, it, it makes it, it makes waves. And you, you are subject to scrutiny. And, and yeah. she knew that when the second she signed up to do this and did this out of necessity, because Vanderbilt was in this situation where they're like, hey, we, we're, we're we have options no options at one. this point. We have no one and this is yeah i mean four days she spent playing football she's been playing soccer since she was four years old so yeah like people are going to criticize her form yeah she's been kicking a football for four days it's different than kicking a soccer like well, let's but, chill like, that's not the point let's that's chill not point that's not
1: exactly and, and i know that like you know you and i are uh, like not as like rigidly i think conservative as as like some and that's fine but the, the whole thing is like when like she's she's like you said she's played soccer her entire life she played football for four days it wasn't like they took a scholarships football player and were like exactly, you know what exactly You're, we need this PR move like they just didn't have anybody and I just it blows my mind what I will say that bothers me is this the fact that Larry Roundtree had a great game I, I love the fact that what she did was incredible and, and so many
0: people are rooting against Larry Roundtree to stop scoring all those touchdowns yeah. too
1: but but it bummed me out like and, and where this is this is sometimes I think where the media does get itself into trouble because it's like. You, we had every right to marvel at this and, 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 and applaud it and how great it was. But we also should have done our job as media members and looked at, 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 like, the game and said, you know what, Larry Roundtree had himself a hell of a day. He deserves to have some of the spotlight and, and deserves to be interviewed after the game. Instead, we interviewed him. Yeah. He got beat 41 nothing. And again, awesome moment. I just wish that you didn't have to share the spotlight. I just wish that, that as a whole, Larry Roundtree would have gotten some attention, too.
0: Nobody outside of Mizzou is going to remember Larry Rountree's performance in five weeks, and they're going to be talking about what Sarah Fuller did probably for the next five to ten years. Also true, um, at least. So that's that's kind of why that unfolds the way it did. But yeah, I, I thought it was I thought it was monumental. I, yeah. I I thought it was it was it was cool to see so many of these positive responses and so many people who were locked in and were interested in, in watching a game that otherwise, obviously, like that would have been priority, you know, if they had 500 things to do on a given Saturday, yeah. that would have been number 501 to tune into that game. So, yeah, um, cool thing. And hopefully it inspires us, hopefully next week. Hopefully next week we get a chance to, to be able to, to watch her kick and Vandy is actually able to, like, get into field goal range or, like, score an extra point. I you know, know, that would be.
1: From that game yesterday, it seemed like Mizzou and Vandy uh, just hate women's rights. I just, I'm, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Suppressing. 41, Clearly. I
0: Clearly. <laughs> All right. We have a lot to get to. But before we get to everything that happened in the SEC on Saturday, Marley, you know what I just did? I went What's over to Publix. Ooh, I got ooh, uh, myself a little Texas Pete Wing sauce. Mm-hmm. Got the big bottle of that. Made sure to do that. And I've got some chicken to have for later in the week. <laughs> I might I mean I'm probably not gonna sprinkle it on ham. That'd be a little bit weird. That's weird. But yeah, yeah a little so bit weird. Um well, I I had Thanksgiving I had Thanksgiving oh. turkey last week and I had Thanksgiving ham. So I did I, I had best of both worlds. I'm I'm a little I'm no, I'm pro ham, whatever I get heat yeah. for that. But um, I will definitely be using my Texas Pete wing sauce a, yeah. a lot this week. I'm sure that you are, are fully stocked and ready to be pretty much dousing every meal at Texas Pete through the holiday season.
1: Yeah, you know, uh, Thanksgiving, we talked about this a little bit on the preview pod that, um, or we wanted to talk about this in the preview pod that, like, you know, Thanksgiving stuff, we talked about this off air, is that we wanted to have our best recipes for the turkey. And I told you, I didn't have a recipe, Connor. I just shoved a bottle of Texas Pete up that bird's ass and was like, here we go. Do your your job, okay? And that's what we did. It was fantastic. I don't know if it was exactly the most, um, I don't know, healthy thing or, uh, you know, What's the word, like, what's the For word, the bird, like, bird, like healthy. For, like, emotionally healthy for the bird. Um, yeah. And also just, like, you know, like, like, I've worked in restaurants, and I don't know if that, what the health code would have been on that. But regardless, it was fantastic. Uh, and a very, very flavorful bird. I'll tell you what. The best thing about my my Thanksgiving, um, it definitely wasn't carving the turkey, because they don't give you, there's no man's guide to that, I feel like. Like, I don't want to Google that in front of everybody. I just doused everything in Texas Pete. So, it's just a little drizzle of Texas Pete on top of the bird it really goes a long way in showing how bad you are at your carving skills if you're like me but it also helps out if you're good at carving who cares just put it on everything put it on your ham put it on your turkey it's about to be a long holiday season, and there's nothing like the holidays for just you know being able to put on some extra pounds and not be judged for it so you know you're gonna have some some cashews we always have around the house some Hershey's Kisses and also some mini bottles of Texas Pete when you need an extra flavor need a little extra oomph I don't take five hour energies anymore. I take Texas Pete mini bottles to the dome right away. So get yourself in Texas Pete. Today, Mary Pete miss.
0: Bama. Without Sabin. Rolls in the Iron Bowl. Saban test positive for COVID for real this time. Yeah, that was not good. Mild symptoms. Hope that that he is able to to return return to form very very soon, but kind of a a peak 2020 storyline where we find out during the week that two of the the two of the coaches of the top four teams in the country um, test positive for COVID and weren't what going to be. What those teams? Deserve to be the top
1: four too. So yeah,
0: we'll save that for later. But Saban not being on the sidelines was not going to change the inevitable of that matchup. It was lopsided. You thought that going in, you saw that play out. Um, Tank Bixby not being at hundred uh, percent. Yeah. That, that mattered probably in a tiny way, at least for the Auburn offense, maybe a tiny yeah. bit. Um, not having KJ Britt. Okay. Auburn had no chance from the jump. Mac Jones was in for a tasty matchup. I thought he was Excellent. And Devontae Smith went off yet again. Are we at the point now? Are we, I, I mean, I've been saying this kind of for a few weeks, and it's becoming more and more real. The conversation for Devontae Smith not only is the best Alabama receiver of all time, but is one of the best SEC receivers of all time. Can we get to that point?
1: Yeah, for sure. I still don't think he should be. He should win the Blitnikoff over Elijah Moore, right as of right now. But if he goes and uh, – puts up a bunch more yards in these last in this last game or goes off in the SC championship game, then yeah, he would probably deserve that award. Uh, yeah, Devontae Smith, it's like, you know, when Jalen Waddle goes down, and Jalen Waddle's putting up ridiculous numbers. I mean, just a- an absurd pace through four games. Five hundred and fifty four yards of, of receiving, four touchdowns, all that kind of stuff. He goes down and, and you worry that like, all right, well Mechie, as you saw yesterday at times, like Mechie's not gonna go up and go get you a ball necessarily every time. Those 50-50 balls are much more 50-50 and not 70-30 as some other receivers in the SEC would be. And and Slade Bolden <laughs>
0: There's a pass that Mac Jones threw to Slade Bolden over the middle that like Slade was Slade was not getting to that ball and you saw the potential for separation. You're like, Waddle gets that. Waddle gets that yeah, and scores. And then
1: takes it. All right. Um but Devontae Smith, the, the stuff he's able to do at his size, at his like every time he touches the ball, I'm just like worried like he's gonna get hurt because if it like I think what was it Pollock said when Waddle went down they they weren't gonna make the national championship without Waddle. I, I think that he had that wrong. I think that if Devonte went down, that then that would be the real issue. And he's done nothing but step up in every single game since Waddle went down. He he looks awesome and and like in the run game, in in the passing game, and like he's returning punts now. There are a few players I think that mean more to their team than this uh, than Devonte Smith. But there's that's not who I want to talk about, Connor. I want to talk about everyone else. I want to talk about Bo Nick's Little Nick's energy. I want to talk about the fact that he. Somewhat, I know it was taken out of context, but I'm gonna enjoy it anyway. Somewhat referred to Mac as a game manager in the middle of the week. I might have
0: subtweeted that like three times during the game. I, I understand kind of what he's going for because it's been said by many people. If you're the opposing team quarterback going into the Iron Bowl, yeah, knowing that the matchup is lopsided, like you're you're 24 point dog. Yeah, you can't you can't say that. You just can't with how well he's been playing. I, yeah, yeah, and that's the frustrating thing, is that I think Bo, Bo Nix sometimes gets the benefit of the doubt for the things that he says, and he likes to jaw during the game. We don't mm-hmm. really talk about that a lot. I but did like really... what he said
1: last game. He said, I don't even know your name. That was pretty yeah, awesome.
0: Yeah, that's, that's that's pretty good. But you knew the game manager comment was going to backfire. Devontae Smith said that he sent that quote, yeah. like as soon as he saw it, he sent it to Mac Jones, who saw, who thought it was funny, which, yeah. yeah, that's what I would expect Mac Jones to say. Calm, cool, confident guy. Bo Nix on the road. Just doesn't have a chance against quality opponents. That's not
1: now on the road.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, there's there's something to be said said for that. And, I think he's zero and it's
1: fourteen that, in in Athens, Baton Rouge, and and Tuscaloosa.
0: Gosh, is that right? And in College Station, he won think, last year. Th- I mean, that's...
1: think about think about the the numbers. Think about that team against Bama. Well, I'm sorry. Yeah, think about think about Auburn going to Bama at home versus at, or on the road versus at home.
0: It's pretty night and day. It yeah. is pretty night and day, and from from the jump, I mean, you, you kind of knew that it was going to be rough. That was like Bo Nix against Georgia, all over again. Yeah. I mean, the Alabama defense absolutely swarmed him. This is an amazing thing to think about. Like, so Auburn scores the late touchdown, That's... that ended Alabama's streak of 193 minutes and 11 seconds without allowing a touchdown, which I guess it's it like should have happened or earlier. Like
1: twelve first thirteen quarters, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. It yeah. should have happened earlier on the Seth Williams drop, which was one of the worst drops you'll ever see. But it didn't. That play, uh, that play <laughs> over them. Yeah, it yeah. didn't. It didn't. Um, but Alabama's defense, again, played a, a the type of game that makes you think, oh, crap, if you were banking on this team not being complete before, you sure as heck shouldn't be saying that now.
1: Yeah, so I think that the defense has really t- turned a corner. I would love to see what they look like against an actual good offense and an actual good quarterback, and I I don't care how that sounds, but it's like David was talking about this before, and he goes, "We're going to see what that offense looks like or that defense looks like, and whether they've just been playing bad competition or they've been playing a lot better." And and I was like, "That's a really good point, you know, because like they did. I mean, Mississippi State hadn't really turned a corner yet when they played them, and and, yeah, Garantano, Kentucky, Kentucky. obviously. So it could have easily been one of those things. I love what they were able to do and bottle up this this Auburn uh, defense, and and they looked. They're starting to look okay. They're starting to look like Bama defenses of old in terms of they they get a nose for the football. They're hitting very hard. They're getting after the quarterback's ass for 60 straight minutes, and they're starting to get a little bit of that sense of like when there's blood in the water, they 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 attack. They attack. I mean, I tell you what, Malachi Moore is Minka Fitzpatrick 2.0. Bottom line.
0: He's doing a lot of the same things that Minka was doing as a freshman. The other the other thing that I think is key that we kind of lost, maybe lost track of a little bit, and Bama fans might not have, but maybe we just didn't talk about this enough, is the presence of Christian Barmore. And he's having yeah. that that year that we kind of thought he could coming into the year, and he was banged up to start the year. But ever since he's been back, I mean he had like two sacks in the first five minutes of that game, and you're just like, oh, they don't have a chance to block no. him. They don't have a chance to be able to keep bonix protected. That was a game where he was going to be running for his life. Yep. I'm Making all those those back footed throws that you're just like, this this has no chance whatsoever of working out.
1: Yeah, and I, I tell you what, there was it was funny watching this because, like somebody said this earlier, and this is, I have a much different like recollection of this game than I think some Bam fans, because a lot of Bam fans are younger than me now, and and they've had to grow up in this world where it's like. Bama only lose like it was fun to watch what this game is supposed to look like without an effing miracle involved It really I mean it really was like like it was and I feel like you start really looking over that like they had the stat where you said In the first 75 meetings there were two games Bama scored over 40 points in the last 10 they've, they've done it six times it's it, like they have absolutely dominated at a lot of this uh, a lot of the series under Saban even though the record doesn't show it because a kick six a comeback and then the ridiculous stuff last year. So I, I think that Bama Bama looked like, in my opinion, far and away yesterday the best team in the country. Does that mean they're going to roll through teams like Notre Dame and 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 Clemson or even Florida? No, not at all. But I, but I think that when you when you put together the the defense as well, that makes Bama fans feel a lot better because we've already seen a Bama team with like a ridiculous offense like 2018, and and, and then roll into effing Santa Clara and get your brains beat in by Clemson the one thing I will say about that is uh, of all the years I've been watching it and you and Bama's put up ridiculous numbers they've won an award at every single individual position they've won the Heisman they've won national championships I don't know if I've ever seen a team this loaded on offense that could have the potentially the Heisman winner, Bolitnikoff winner, and Doak Walker award winner.
0: Yeah, that's that's the difference, I think. And Najee got going late in this one. It was a bit of uh, tough sledding early on, and credit Auburn for actually being able to yeah. kind of get some push up front, but then he, he breaks through, and you're just like, oh, yeah, Najee is – Just such a phenomenal player. Alabama still yet to have a game decided by less than 17 points. If that (laughs) continues into the SEC championship, Alabama will have a playoff bid clinched, regardless of what happens in the SEC championship.
1: And another thing on that. I'm going to cut you No, go ahead. Okay. So the other thing I thought was interesting with this, Cole Kubrick put up a good stat about this, and he said, in the last 47 games, okay? uh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Alabama has now scored 35-plus points. In what is it? It's like twenty. Stadium I think it's twenty match. straight games. Yeah. I think it's twenty straight games, and it was like they've scored. The twenty eighteen
0: national championship would be the last mm-hmm. time that they didn't.
1: Right. So. And so it said that's a college football record. That's a, that's a record in the history of college football. Auburn's defense. We talk about you know, especially you, with this like Kevin Steele, and he deserves a lot of credit a lot of times. But he's th- that defense is allowed over I think it was thirty points twice. Um, maybe said like over forty points twice in the past uh, forty seven games. It's the last two seasons against Bama. That says a lot about what Coach Stark was able to do and and you know you could sit here, I thought about this too. You could sit here. It's amazing how much the the goalposts move for a team like Alabama when you want to argue against them because it's like yeah, you, that's true. Like, like the Sark thing, it's like, well, it's only it's hard to judge him if he's a good play caller because he's got so much talent around like, okay. him. That is such crap. It's such he's, crap. He's, Dude, like, he said, they, were showing, they showed a stat in the game, and it was like yards per play, points per game, yards per game, and something else. And it was like three out of the four were school records for Alabama, and he's ahead of that pace in three of the other four for this season. And I think, so Sark was a fantastic, did a fantastic job all day. The other part of this, I, and I thought it was yesterday, and I want you to correct me because you're a more rational person than me mac jones we talk about this all the time it's like, well mac jones is only good because he's got Najee harris and Devontae smith and he, when he had jalen well he's got all this talent on him you know who we never made that excuse for and i'm not comparing him to these quarterbacks but we never made that excuse for guys like danny werfel who had the best receiving core in my opinion in the history of sec football mm-hmm. uh peyton manning who had first and second round draft picks littered all mm-hmm. over the field and at, at, uh, and jamal lewis in the backfield for for a brief period of time and then, and guys like Tim Tebow, Tim Tebow coming in with the greatest recruit, like one of the greatest recruiting classes of all time in two thousand six, Percy Harvin, all Aaron these Hernandez players, Aaron here. Hernandez. We never hear about that for those teams. It was like, well, he, he's only good because he had all these players around him. No, Mac Jones is a good quarterback. I, I, just, I don't get how we could still not be on board with that.
0: Two instances that I want to bring up here: um, one point on Mac, one point on Sark. The play where Mac sensed that backside pressure. Gary was blown away by this. And if you actually, I mean, Gary didn't realize that Mac had, there was, this, there was this play where Mac had stepped up in the pocket and it looks like he's just about to get swallowed yep. whole by the Auburn defense. And it looks like he kind of got slapped on the back just ever so mm-hmm. slightly. But that was his mental cue to step up into the pocket, something that Bo Nix still doesn't know yep. how to do. And he steps up and he floats that perfect ball to the outside. I think it was, was it Mechie that he got that ball to? Uh, Um, where he floats that ball on the right side, and it's just like a walking touchdown. touchdown. Oh, no, it was
1: 1-9. It was Billingsley. Oh, that was Billingsley. That's right.
0: That's right. And he floats that ball perfectly to him. And it's like, that's the stuff that people are going to look at and say, oh, he's got a streaking receiver wide open. Like nine quarterbacks out of 10 there are sacked in that spot and they're behind the sticks all of a sudden. And Mac Jones turns that play into a touchdown. That's like a small little thing. And the people who are saying, well, Sark's got all these play callers. And I still, every time I tweet about Sark, I still get people that respond saying this. It's
1: mind blowing.
0: The play that blows me away that I think is so nuanced and so creative and so many teams, Kentucky, you know, Tennessee, wish that they had an offensive mind who could dial up stuff like this. Where Devontae Smith is running, and I think it might have been Mechie who was behind him, and it looks like it's going to be a screen to Mechie. Uh And Devontae Smith is pass blocking immediately out of his break. And instead, he pass blocks, and he almost operates like a tight end. And Mm -hmm. then he quickly slips open for that slant. And it's like one move, and he's gone. Gone. And he cuts past the Auburn secondary for a touchdown. Like It was such a beautifully designed play in which Devontae got freed up for that quick second that's Sark. Like that is yep. recognizing what a defense is queuing in on. Recognizing that that Auburn secondary was a little bit overzealous. It was desperate to try and force some sort of a takeaway. And it's recognizing in that spot, I have a, a smart receiver who knows how to sell this. And that's exactly what he does. So you can say all this about, oh, it's the playmakers. It's this or that. It's just everything is working yeah. right now for this offense.
1: Yeah, and, and I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that Sark. I mean, you lose, you lose the most dynamic. An explosive player in college world he's not as fast as anthony schwartz but you lose the most dynamic and explosive playmaker in the in the entire nation in college world with jalen waddle and the offense is even better somehow like it's just it's oh, mind-blowing malik well malik
0: willis malik willis, willis.
1: okay so also i, I want to give you a shout out and i've given you so much about this over the years but is it is it possible that you know quarterbacks better than gus Malzon?
0: those are your words not mine <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll say I, this: Malik Wilson is better than Joey Gatewood. Yeah,
1: yeah, that's true. I, I I think you deserve credit for that, and you're not you don't get it as much. And I have been very hard on you about that, but but I I think it's uh <laughs> it's so funny to watch because like you know the Bo Nick stuff. I mean, it's just he is what he is, and we'll wrap this up because I know people don't want to hear only a Bama podcast by any means. But but I I, I I will say it was fun watching that yesterday, and and I I, I sat there, and Allie looked at me at one point. Who, by the way, go beeves.
0: Yeah, I'm not necessarily going to support Joe Moorhead losing, but yeah, I mean, congratulations.
1: <laughs> That's a beautiful game, but she said something. I won't say it now, but it was it was beautiful what she said. Actually, I will say it now. She said this on on Friday night watching the uh, the Civil War game, the Oregon Oregon State game, and um and she she made the comment. She goes like because o- o- Oregon State clearly scored on second down in my opinion, and they called him down like the half inch line, and she was like, gee, did. It's always some. Mfing BS with these mfers, and it's always some miracle. It's like they always get the luck of the draw. They're just like Auburn. I was like, oh my god, I love you so much. Somebody made this comment in in the Facebook group, and I think it's so funny to me because it's like I've seen it from Auburn fans and LSU fans over the past couple days, which was just this defeatist mentality of of defeated mentality of well, all I'll say is Bama still never beat Auburn. When they've been a good team, you know what? Then be a better team more. Because like I'm, I'm tired of skull dragging y'all by 40 points a game for two out of three years, and then somehow, by just Auburn Jesus shows up and you guys win a game on a miracle. It just, it, it just cracks me up that there's still somehow this, this like feeling of like, well, I mean, Saban, Saban only beats bad Auburn teams or whatever. It was a perfect game. Allie even said afterwards, she goes, that was so much fun. It was never even close. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> Exactly. And we also did get a noise complaint from our new neighbors. Oh, there you go. That's yeah.
0: add one to the to the total. Yeah. Um, the other another SEC West showdown. Uh, this game lacked a, a lot of intrigue once yeah. it got going. I mean, AM grinded out a win against LSU. And I'm not trying to say this to take away from AM because AM winning yeah. a game against LSU by double digits, uh, that that is an impressive feat. And you consider that Jimbo Fisher is now two and one against LSU since he has been there. That is a, a I, I get it, the, the seven overtime game should have gone to LSU. Yep. It is still an impressive thing for Jimbo Fisher to have come in and done. And I thought, so, you know, the difference for AM and what makes this team a little bit different, that was a game in which Kellen Mond was terrible. I mean, it Whoa, was his worst game of the that. year it felt like 2019 all over again his Man. everything he's thrown into was just bad was bad small windows and he couldn't do a thing against that lsu pass defense which credit boll pelini because it finally actually looked good the problem of course is that a m did everything else right like isaiah yeah. spiller gets going in the ground game the offensive line created a nice hole for him on that touchdown run and mike elko had a big time this is why you pay me all that money type of game. Yeah. Mike Elko flex game. It was. It was. Broad, broad pressure, totally confused both of LSU's true freshman quarterbacks. I mean, they forced TJ Finley to throw. They're bringing guys into the box. That is what Mike Elko does. Had the terrible pick six to Buddy Johnson
1: yeah. in which Kocho,
0: <laughs> wow. Kocho was a different kind of human after that yeah. one. And that was probably the product of a very frustrating day for LSU.
1: He had that dad look, where which is like not like, "Hey, y'all keep it down back there," or "Y'all keep it, y'all keep the noise down," or "Go to bed." It was like, "You did what with the car?" He was not happy. Look at me! Look, look at me! Yeah, that was um, that was terrifying. I would have entered the transfer portal immediately because that just I would have been so scared. Um, But yeah, I thought I thought it was great. Buddy Johnson. (laughs) Buddy Johnson's a man child. Buddy Johnson is the most A No, we haven't. We haven't talked enough about their D-line. I keep talking about their O line. We haven't talked enough about the D line being so good. Bobby Um, Brown. Yeah, he's a stud. (laughs) Like everything every single every single player they have is like from like a 1950s like yearbook. It's just Buddy Johnson, (laughs) Bobby Brown um i was cracking up and like shout out to adam spencer because he sent me a text and he was like old neighbor buddy johnson having himself a game because buddy johnson is the most texting him name hey of all the time hey, hey buddy. buddy hey old but <laughs> i remember when buddy was sheriff for for years up there in Katy. um also that got fact checked on twitter so there's that <laughs> nice not good <laughs> no but it was a, oh. it was a good game i was i was disappointed in mom. was that his senior night so it's hard to know
0: with, yeah, with what's left with this schedule and what's being moved around and all that. Um, yeah. TBD on that, I think. I could be wrong on that. I don't know that off the top of my head.
1: Regardless, um, it was a tough night for him.
0: AM fans were frustrated because the broadcast crew did not exactly give them any favors. And nope. AM comes into that game knowing what has already happened with the Big Ten in the last 24 hours, which if you're looking for things that could potentially help AM's playoff path, you would consider that to be one of them. Ohio State gets a game canceled. You have, and possibly going to get more games canceled. I don't need to, we don't need to necessarily, you know, we're going to go talk about Ohio it at State's, some point. We'll talk about it in the preview pod because that'll be after oh, the rankings man. come out I'll on Tuesday night. But what also happened was Northwestern, an undefeated team, mm-hmm. lost to Michigan State, and Northwestern's playoff path is gone. So if you're looking for things to happen in AM's favor, that's those are, you know, certainly going to help. But the question was, does a have to pass this eye test the rest of the way? Do they have to light yeah. up teams? Do they have to win these games by 30 points and unequivocally look like a playoff caliber team? And it seems like on the broadcast they were like, this isn't good performance. And when you're throwing the ball like that in a game in 2020, it doesn't make you look yeah. the part. And that's, I think, part of this this thinking of is A M worthy of this it'll be interesting to see if the selection committee somehow drops And i don't think that's going to I happen i think they will i don't think that's going to happen because it's florida who's right behind them and if you're going to make a statement like that of saying the head to head is what's going to win out yeah kentucky beating florida or kentucky you know losing to florida like that that's not necessarily going to I thought Kentucky hung around for a bit and we'll talk about that more later. But that yeah. wasn't a, a game where you're like, oh, Florida's so much better, and Florida's a million times better than AM all True. of a sudden. That's still going to be your biggest factor. So there's still this path that I believe exists for AM. Convincing wins or not, yeah. That Alabama, Notre Dame, Ohio State, if those three teams just win out, yeah, it goes to AM and it doesn't it go to It should be
1: Yeah. Well, I don't know. Cincinnati is good. I'm not going to get into the Cincinnati thing again. That was just, oh, geez. Um, I, but I will say, a and like, I thought LSU just continues to, to live in a, in a world where they refuse to do anything that benefits me personally. I had a parlay on this game. I told you last week that I loved Georgia Tech. I loved Georgia Tech in that, in that underdog role at home. I parlayed it with Georgia and Georgia Tech and a and Backdoor
0: cover for LSU,
1: yeah. Yeah, with like thirty seconds to go, but but no, I think that when you talk about A and M and and like their their playoff hopes, I think the committee because I don't trust the committee. um, I I think the committee will do something stupid and possibly move them down. You're right about everything you said, but again, you're coming from a place of logic and reason. Where would they move them down
0: to though? Because if you're going to move them down,
1: just move them, just switch them. I (sighs) dude, I agree with you. I agree with you, and I don't think they should. I I think both of them should be ahead of Ohio State at this point. Like it's it's I I don't think they're gonna move them down like like too much, like they're going to drop them a whole bunch because of this like, convincing win. It's a rivalry game, but you're right. Those broadcasters didn't do a lot to help them at all. And I and had Dan Orlowski say at one point, it, it, like, and I usually like Dan Orlowski. I hate his voice, but I like him as, a, mm. as like, a, his, like the way he like, breaks down the game. He said at one point, he said, you know, if Ohio State can play two more games, they're, they're, they're good for me. Like, like they're, they're in for me. That, that's enough for me. And I'm just sitting here thinking like, what effing world do we live in where it's like, you know what, Ohio State – we think you're good. Yeah, you've been getting torched. I've, this, I've really done a good job of didn't. getting my Ohio State hate in here, even though you didn't want it. Yeah. You know. But, but like, Ohio State, we, we sat here. Like, I said this yesterday on radio. Like, if you're going to say Ohio State deserves to be in, look in the mirror and, and, and try not to lie to yourself because all you're saying is, you know what, they're, they're good based off what I thought they were going to be in the preseason. And that's where we are with them. And I think that it's like anybody saying otherwise is lying to themselves because – this defense has been getting absolutely worked over the passing defense, especially. And you you talk about like like Peter Burns brought up Northwestern, the side by side with Ohio State yesterday, and and I I don't know what it is today. I should have looked it up, but like their 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 opponents' total wins was like what six and eleven or six and fourteen or something. something stupid. good. It's terrible. And and then and then they go in here and you look at like like whether it's Northwestern or anybody. Ohio State is only good because we think they're supposed to be good in in, in the preseason and mock drafts and all that kind of stuff with all the talent they have. It's a joke, and A&M continues to get it done on the field. They, they beat a game. It's a rivalry game for them. Yeah, it was ugly, but, like, you know, if that was 20 to nothing, that looks more impressive probably. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's, true, it's, true. It's just so ridiculous that we're sitting here, like, like they showed it this morning and it says Florida 7-1, A&M 6-1, Ohio State 4-0.
0: If the situation were reversed – think about the outcry nationally. If a team like Bama was sitting there with only a 4-0 record or something Thank like you. that, or maybe it's Florida, or maybe it's LSU, the outcry would be, oh, the selection committee just loves the SEC. I, I think this is more just about preseason confirmation bias. Yeah. I think A&M's path, I think it's still there. I, I absolutely think that it's it's still there. Whether or not they win every single game by 30, obviously like that yeah. would help. But yeah, the thing, Dan Orlovsky, some of the stuff that he says, this is the same guy who a month ago was saying that TJ Finley deserves to be the starter over... Over Miles Brennan, um after one game. After yeah. one game he said that this is the same guy who last year was telling you that Trevor Lawrence was doing things that Joe Burrow wasn't. Like this is the yeah, same guy who is going out on a limb saying that Carson Wentz, who's about to be benched for Jalen Hurts, is you that's know, brutal. is the is the future moving forward. Jalen Hurts was taking first team reps, by the way, um, in practice this week.
1: Oh, oh is it this week he is?
0: Uh that's 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 the word on the street. Oh, f- they play so the I'm not gonna.
1: That's Bay's team, so that's not good.
0: I'm not gonna take Dan Orlovsky yeah. um, as as serious. I'll just say that the egg bowl. I. I love this rivalry. Yeah, I thought this game still checked so many boxes for me. Yeah, despite the fact that we did not get that wild, crazy ending, there wasn't that middle of the game moment that just made you think this is nuts. There wasn't a benches clearing brawl. There wasn't Nick Fitzgerald flipping off somebody. There wasn't a fake dog <laughs> piece celebration. There wasn't your typical egg bowl shenanigan type of right. stuff. Although I think like there was a there was like a um, something that like this they had the smoke maker that broke or something like that at one point during the game. But I, was I thought the, the egg bowl, bowl, yeah, no, I thought the egg bowl was about to get really weird at the end. It almost happened. There was like that pre-Hail Mary that set yeah. up the last-second Hail Mary, but it didn't quite get to that level. But the good news is that chapter one of the Mike Leach Lane Kiffin egg bowl was great. Yeah. They went for nine fourth downs. Those poor kickers were treated like the person who brings the veggie tray to Thanksgiving dinner. They <laughs> were totally taken <laughs> that was good. out. Like. Like there there's like, oh, kick it's fourth and three on the twenty five yeah. yard line. What come on, no, what what do you think this is? This, this is football. I I thought the game still checked a lot of boxes. I was glad that it actually kind of got that it got close at the end. I mean, mm. we had records with passing yards, we had nearly a hundred passing attempts. So a little peel behind the onion here. My uh, our editor, Chris Wright. He had sent me a message on, like, Tuesday, which he often does every every week and says, hey, what game do you want to cover this week? Right. I'll give you the choice between the Iron Bowl or the Egg Bowl. Which one do you want? I'm like, give me the Egg Bowl all day. I'd yeah. much rather write off the Egg Bowl just because I thought the Iron Bowl was going to be super lopsided. What was that really going to tell us? And I'm not necessarily sure that the first edition of this Egg Bowl told us that Ole Miss is going to dominate this rivalry for years. but. Ole Miss is ahead of where Mississippi State is at right now. They're like a year, at least a year ahead in terms of their each coach's offensive vision. Ole Miss has that, and Mississippi State making progress in that regard with Will Rogers at quarterback for all the yards that he threw for, but still just not on that level yet.
1: Yeah, it was fun, man. It was fun to watch. It was um, like I, I watched like I mean, I watched the Iron Bowl primarily. Like I said. And I will not apologize for that. But, Did you um, see these Matt Corral throws? They looked yeah. like Russell Wilson
0: and, and DK Metcalf. I mean, and some I, of these I balls.
1: Really, I thought that, that Eli, Eli Moore was going to have like a much bigger statistical game, but he played an incredible role. And, in, you know, you talk about how about almost his defense stepping up when they had to and and, and making like a big play. Like it, it had everything that you would usually want from an Egg Bowl except for a fantastic finish. And I thought the finish was still good. It just was one of those things where, um, you know, they came up a little bit Sure on the Hamilari by the way, I thought he caught it. I thought he caught it at first in that Hill Mary. I did Mary. too at first. I did too. I was like, oh and my then God, was he Leech
0: how how many people wanted to see I mean old best fans didn't want to see this happen. Yeah. How many people wanted to see is Leech gonna go for two? You know he would've won, he would have gone for two. Dari there's, brought that up and no I thought doubt. it was
1: such a good point. I was cracking up because I was like, oh my gosh, like I, I like and I'm I'm not even gonna do I'm not even gonna get into it because I know as like as like a Bama fan, like I, I would hate to even entertain that they won. Almost won. They deserved to win. I thought it was great. It was a huge win, I think, for Lane Kiffen in year one. And I, and I tell you what, you're going to hate to hear it, but Lane Kiffen ex- like, like, being able to have a Saturday by himself or Sam Pittman's not coaching, I think he also – they're going to end up putting co-coach of the year award. They might. I guarantee you.
0: They might. Um, again, I still come back to – if Sam Pittman beats every year one coach, which he can this weekend, yeah. if he beats Eli Drinkwitz, then that would be the biggest feather in his cap because yeah. of what we were talking about, all those different coaches in here. And you
1: could argue, too, that, like, beating all the teams, that like no matter what, if you beat them all by 17 or more, even if you had COVID, you could be in the, um like, if, like oh, I'm, just, I'm just saying, like, you could throw in somebody else's name for Coach of the Year, Um you know, if, if you wanted to, but like I'm sure they would. Saban were. wasn't even
0: coaching on Saturday, so I think he's pretty much taken out of the award, right? Like yeah, that's, that's totally. the way that, <laughs> totally. that's Totally. Um, uh, that was also my favorite comment. You talk about the Ole Miss defense and how they actually stepped up in this one. We've had our fair share of fun with the Ole Miss defense. Yeah. I, I still think they're, they're pretty bad. Getting Otis Reese back was pretty important. It was. I, I, I say back even though the georgia transfer hasn't been allowed to play yet yeah thanks a lot sec thanks a lot ncaa for being able to do that really really stupid in a year in which nobody's losing a year of eligibility i don't know why that kid continued to have to sit out but chris partridge said on the broad they, they said on the broadcast that chris partridge the co-co um old miss defensive coordinator was saying how like yeah otis Reese is probably the best player on our defense he hasn't yep. played a game yet, and he's like the best player on our defense. This hybrid guy who just has a nose for the football, and I'm like, oh, that's clearly what Ole Miss has been missing yeah. this entire year. I hope that we get five years of this, of Leach and Kiffin, and I don't want to definitively say, oh, Kiffin's gonna, Kiffin's absolutely gonna leave for a bigger job. I, I don't, I don't know that, but if we can get five years of this, I think that we will appreciate this so, so much because we're seeing kind of what their offensive visions are. And right now, Matt Corral, and I hope we get another year of Matt Corral too. That's yeah, another I thing I hope for because the Heisman conversation around him right now would be a whole lot different if he didn't have the six interception game. And I'm not saying you could just wipe away a six interception right. game. That matters. It's hard to throw six picks in one game. But Kit might hold onto the ball a little bit too long. But some of the things that he's doing – are just so, so fun. And I yeah. think that that guy is playing this, this game at, at a level that maybe people outside of the SEC aren't really giving him credit for because almost came to this game three and four, and you don't really pay attention to quarterback on a three and four team, especially with the Heisman.
1: I was told before the season started that there might be a possibility they wouldn't win a single game by some people. And it's like, man, they come in here now four and four, very close loss to Bama, shouldn't have lost to Auburn. Uh, I think it's a good team. I think it's an incredible job. I, I think part of it needs to be said, like what what Matt Luke was able to set up there. But you talk about that six interception game. I know he backed it up with a two interception game against Auburn. Since then, twelve touchdowns, no picks. Uh, <laughs> like I, might, I can't do the average really in my head right stupid. now. Stupid. But nine twenty-five and three eighty-five, so thirteen hundred and ten yards of, of passing. Um, it's just been it's been fun to watch, man. It's been fun to watch. And it's been it's been really good. And I think as the year has gone on. You talk about these last three games. Granted the, the teams were Vandy, South Carolina, Mississippi State, but when they needed him to step up the most, and, and they were kind of reeling and, and were one in four. Thirteen touchdowns, zero interceptions, done a really good job uh of, of getting that team back to five hundred and also doing a really good job of, of of playing really good football, man. Just really good football. And this is this is anybody anybody can sit here and say well, you know, like he's, he's got Eli Moore and they're just like they're just scheming him open, or you know, it's, he's, it's the offense he's in. Sure. The scheming,
0: yeah. The scheming thing is overrated too with Eli yeah. Moore because it, he's actually getting like Pro Football Focus has the numbers that show the separation he's getting on his routes in man coverage and the yards after catch in terms of breaking tackles and stuff like that. Yeah. It's not all scheme with Elijah Moore.
1: It's not. And, and, and again, I had this conversation with somebody yesterday. Um, I love him to death. But he was talking about how, like, the, 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 uh, it was, I mean, it was our producer, Will, and he was talking about how, like, the, the quarterback plays down. And I think that when you really look at it, like, there's some bad quarterbacks for sure. But, like, Matt Corral and Felipe think Franks. I bad after, like, six, seven sure. right yeah, yeah. there. Yeah. It, that's, that's fine. Um, but, like, when you have, like, guys like Matt Corral and Felipe Franks that aren't really getting a lot of national attention, Felipe Franks' numbers are really good. And Matt Corral, even if you take out the, if you take out the, um, what do you call it? The the number six interception had, game. The six interception game. Yeah, he's still. I mean, thirty-two touchdowns and thirteen. P- oh, I'm sorry, that's, his, that's I'm looking at it right now. And that is not correct. That's his career uh, his numbers. 24, yeah. 24 and twenty-four, nine is really good. It, like it's, it's. I think that's really good. Like it's like like Kyle Trask like put up what like twenty-seven and seven last year, and we thought it was like, you know, incredible. The Felipe Franks year before is like twenty-four and seven. I I just think he's having a really good year and deserves a little bit more more love. And and Eli Moore should still be getting Heisman talk.
0: Yeah, I, or deserves to be. Devontae Smith has odds. Elijah Moore yeah. doesn't. So stupid. Um, maybe, maybe that'll change after a week in which he got a lot of attention, of course, the year-to-year transformation that he had post-fake dog pee celebration to becoming the most prolific receiver in college football yeah. right now. Just had a casual 12-catch game.
1: No, the way that Heisman is is like positioned, the way his legs easy. are. You, it's easy. It's easy to move it, and they can easily nope. turn it into a dog pee.
0: Nope. Guy that would be getting Heisman consideration if he had been playing full season, Kyle Pitts. wasn't a tight end. Yeah, although I think it's, again, it's unfair to call him a tight end. Let's just call Kyle Pitts a football player at this point. Loud, loud return uh, against Kentucky. Three touchdowns. Had a hat trick in this game. That 56-yarder in the first quarter where he's just running away from the Kentucky secondary. I think it was Calvin Joseph who was trying to it. was. Cal- Calvin Joseph did not have the best day in terms of Again. trash talking, t- in terms of pushing Kyle Trask. Um, not, I thought not the it best. Was,
1: I thought it was like a really good defensive um, play call at first. And, and, then, and then you see how it ends up, Honestly, obviously, obviously. But it's like, like Joseph is backed off. And they brought somebody else in the blitz, and he he was basically disguised to being in man with Kyle or Kyle Pitts. And you're like, oh wow, yeah, your former five star, your probably maybe your best defensive back, maybe, maybe SEC, <laughs> SEC leader in
0: interceptions as well.
1: Calvin Josephus.
0: Ah, uh, Calvin Josephus. Yes, uh. despite the fact that he's had some rough moments, uh, yeah. Seth Williams says a thing or two about that as well. Kyle Pitts, is he is he the SEC's best overall player? And I'm not saying is he has he had the best season because when you don't play a full year. He's yeah. only played six games. He has 11 touchdowns in six games. But if you're having this conversation right now, Devontae Smith, Elijah Moore, Nick Bolton, um, maybe Aziz Ojolari, Georgia, mm-hmm probably belongs in that conversation. I think Patrick Sertan belongs in that conversation. Yeah, of course, Mac Jones and Kyle Trask. But in terms of as best overall football player, like the guy that you would say he is doing his job at a level that nobody else in the SEC is right now, it's hard not to put him in that conversation when every time he's on the field and he's healthy, all he does is just catch touchdown passes.
1: If, when you phrase it like that, yes. I wouldn't say Aziz Ojolari because he's not even leading the SEC in sacks. I th- um, yes, he
0: and he and BJ were the SEC sack leaders going into this past weekend. Yeah, he had. So a, I now, know he had at least one more as well on Saturday. Uh, so he, had he had at least has five one and sack. Luke Doty. Uh, I think he has six and a half now because he sacked Luke Doty at the end of the first half in that game as well. So
1: Kingsley Inagbar.
0: Yeah, the pronunciation on that one we're gonna have yeah. to work
1: on. Yeah, South Carolina. He has six. South says he's yeah. leading. Um, but regardless, like he's. I mean, he's, he's done a great job. That's not important. When you phrase it like you phrased it with Kyle Pitts, is there anyone do at their position doing a better job? No. And it's not really close. I mean, like, at the tight end position, like, and I hate to even discount it that way because, like you said, like, he's just a football player. I, I, he, like, I mean, like, the fact that he came back and, and won, or the fact that he came back and scored three touchdowns. Like, it's so stupid. I just, <laughs> just nobody's,
0: I nobody's figured out how to guard yeah. him yet. That's that's the problem is that.
1: Well, that's the that's the yeah,
0: go ahead. There's no blueprint for a team like Alabama who's going to have to prepare for some some version, some, some way they're going to have to have some sort of bracket coverage to stop the 2020 version of Kyle Pitts. Yeah. Which is proving to be hell, especially in the red zone where he runs that little corner route and he just gets like, three, four yards of separation because on film, you've seen him line up on the outside and run that inside step. Yeah. He's not necessarily always like doing these fades on the goal line or something like that where he's just kind of jump-balling, you know, dunking on some 5'11 defensive back. Yeah, where he runs that route and he's getting that type of separation off the ball and it's just a walk-in touchdown for him to the pylon, you're like, what what do you do? I just don't understand what you can possibly do when you've seen all these good defensive minds struggle to come up with anything that resembles a plan to contain him.
1: Yeah, it's unfair. Um, you know, and that's the thing, Connor, though. Like, you talk about this. he I'm assuming he must have been a two- or three-star. It wasn't that good. Because all the just players first, around Kyle guy. Trask. Okay, just a four-star guy. Because, like, all the guys around Trask, man, like, he's putting up ridiculous numbers. But, like, he, has, I mean, he oh, doesn't well, have to help. gets some of that.
0: Trask gets some of that. He definitely He
1: should because Grimes, Grimes is, is like – Trayvon Grimes might be the most underrated or unheralded receiver in the in the country, and he's he is, so damn good.
0: Grimes but is great. He yeah, drops me, the ball a little bit too much for my liking. But, that, yeah.
1: Let me stop being petty for a second. Let me give you some stats that blow your mind <laughs> that I'm looking at right now, okay? All right, so I'm looking at receiving leaders in the SEC in 2020. All right, so receptions. Eli Moore, Devontae Smith leading that with 86 and 72. Yards, Eli Moore, 1,193, and Devontae Smith, uh, 1,074. Receiving yards per game, both those guys, 10.8, 9.0, leads the SEC in that. Or um, uh, rece-
0: yards per catch, is that?
1: Y- no, that's, that's receivings, or oh, wow, wow, receivings, receptions per game. Um, Reception per game. Yards per catch, that one's not as important because it doesn't help my narrative. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, no, the yards for catch actually does because Eli Moore has thirteen or like thirteen point nine. Devonte fourteen point nine. Here's the thing again: receptions, seventy two and eighty six in that order for Devonte and Eli Moore. Touchdowns. Devonte Smith leads the SEC with twelve touchdowns. Kyle Pitts has eleven touchdowns. He's he has, he has less than half. Okay, less than half of the total receptions that Devonte Smith has. Right, he has he has 43 less receptions on the year and one less touchdown. Um, it, the the dude's been incredible. He averages like half uh, half the receptions per game, basically, of Devontae Smith. It says because he's only played six games. I he's been incredible, and I don't think I think you're right. Like if you're talking about like the best overall player, especially at their position, it's easily him. I would still say him or nick bolton nick bolton did some things yesterday that were really really impressive and just like it's just a a, he's just a a monster on that defense from zoo but but kyle pitts man yeah i mean honestly and you could say it maybe for even the entire country like is there anyone else that does what he does
0: I know those Iowa State tight ends are are getting a lot of love right now, but I mean, it's yeah, they're, I mean, they're very good. Charlie Kohler is, yeah, they had like a combined, like over 200 receiving yards in that game against Texas, which was um, interesting. Horns are totally back. Um, But Kyle Pitts in that conversation as well with Kyle Trask, I don't know if you saw, they were loving it on the broadcast CD on the broadcast. Yeah, he killed it. Love to see that. Love to see that. He was great. Um, The Kyle, the Kyle saved by the bell t-shirt that got a little bit of air time, that was pretty cool. Um, might need to uh, get in the market for something like that because I'm a sucker for all things Saved by the Bell. Yeah. But Kyle I Trask was, is, yeah. Kyle Trask had one of these days where um, you expect more because you thought the matchup was really good and it ends up being mediocre by his standards, but it's still a day in which he has three touchdown passes, no interceptions. And yeah, there might have been an interceptable pass or two. People keep making up, keep talking about all the turnover-worthy passes that he has that aren't intercepted. Blah blah blah. Whatever. I, I still think that it's still going to come down to the SEC championship between yeah. Kyle Trask and Mac Jones. Now unless, more than ever. Yeah. yeah, unless Kyle Trask has like two games coming up here where he just throws for like five or six touchdowns against Tennessee, and he's sitting on the brink of records or something like that going into the SEC championship, and we see some sort of shootout. But I do think that we are now, especially after what Mac did over the weekend, it is now very much a two-horse race. Justin Fields lost another game to play. It, it, it In my opinion, it is very, very obvious that it's going to come down to yeah. these two guys.
1: Even Orlovsky said that last night, and, he, and, and as much as you hate him. Obviously. Oh, good for him. I um, don't hate him. I just no, think that I, he, he, all he's, the he's a little bit too –
0: yeah, he's a little bit too quick to rush to judgment yeah. on some of these takes. Uh, that's totally opinion. fair.
1: Um, um, but, no, when you talk about the, the, the Kyle Trask thing, I, I think you're right. They said it last night, too. They think it comes down to, like, the, the SEC Championship game. And, you know, I'll, I'll just tell you right now. Kyle Trask should still be the leader it, for, the, for the Heisman Trophy. His 34 touchdown passes. You know, I remember – I'm not, like – I'm old enough to remember that three touchdowns and zero interceptions in a game is a hell of a day for for a quarterback. And now it's like you even said it, and, and I felt it way too, that way too because I remember I, I watched I watched the first half and I was cracking up because Kentucky scored, had a chance. they had a lead, had a second almost. quarter
0: lead, had a second quarter lead. Yep. But
1: and, but what one of the things we're starting to see from this team is, is like this is not just the Kyle to Kyle show. It, it, and, and we talked, I know we talked about that a lot, like to, to the beginning of this, but like. There's a lot of talent on this team, and you're starting to see guys like Kadarius Tony. You're starting to see him do it in, in more ways than one. The,
0: that punt return was very, very clever to be able to do yeah. that right before the half. I don't know right. how Kentucky got so fooled by that. I thought they were, they Why thought the they punt was going totally? left. Yeah, they, the, the, the punt was supposed to go to the left, and Florida kind of set up the. It was the perfect storm for yeah. that to happen, and it was like a in touchdown as soon as he got, right. like as soon as he made that second move, there was no chance.
1: I I just think that um, this is a team that that's it's like looked. By some standards, not great, maybe the past two weeks, but they've still won convincingly at the end of the day. Their quarterback play is still elite. Um, and I think he should still be leading it. But and I want everyone also to know that I don't give a about the highest, but I want to win a national championship. So we'll see how that plays out.
0: On a different note. Yeah. Dan Mullen ripping into Todd Grant. Oh,
1: it was beautiful.
0: <laughs> I'll say this. That moment. We've seen that before, right it almost yeah. felt a little bit Sabin and like Sabin with Kiffin. there, there were yeah. there were times where it's like this is somebody clearly upset with the way a certain unit is performing and saying figure this out yeah or else I'm gonna get somebody who can that that right. type of stuff and they're wearing masks so you can't fully see what they're saying. Chizik brushed it off and said, you know that's kind of a normal thing that that type of stuff that type of stuff happens yeah. whatever the point is. There's a little bit of friction there, but it worked. And that's what Florida fans were saying. And Florida fans were supporting Dan Mullen and ripping Todd Grant because that's what every single one of them wanted to do during that game as Kentucky continues to rack up first downs and they're keeping the Florida offense off the field, doing exactly what Kentucky wanted to do in that game. After that moment, and Neil Blackman pointed this out, Kentucky gained 52 yards on the next 28 plays to end the game. That's it. So it worked. And Dan Mullen just pulling all the right strings to be able to maximize the potential... Of his team, that was that was something. That was something. I'll say that.
1: I will say I loved his response, and I didn't even see this. Allie had to tell me about it. Oh yeah. He said afterwards he was like we were arguing <laughs> over the Christmas lights when they should go up. I, I thought yep. that was funny, um, and it was a good job by Mullen. But I tell you what, if I was on this coaching staff with Grantham, you say what you want. To, I think I think he's still a good coordinator, or whatever, all that kind of stuff. There is zero doubt in my mind that I would come to fisticuffs with with, with Todd Grantham at some point in our, in our tenure together because the way, like, it's not getting in like, headbutting. Me and you headbutt, like, at times. Like, there's, everyone does it. You're in a working environment or whatever. You're close to each other. The, when Dan Mullen is saying something to him and turns away to walk away and then Grantham says something and then Mullen turns, like, he did it, two like, two or three times. So he waited until his head was turned and then was like, Oh, i said something and i was like oh he's like he's just asking for it and now listen grantham would whip dan Mone's ass but like still I, th- I just i'd sit there i was like is this about to come to like two blows because this is like i was heated I was it heated. was heated man it, and, he, and he was making it worse but whatever anyway let's talk about jt daniels the 2021 heisman winner
0: <laughs> uh, maybe if he's still in college football in twenty twenty. there it is um no sorry georgia fans i, I don't mean to go down that road again Georgia runs all over South Carolina in this uh, revenge game. I'll say that in air quotes. Yeah. JT Daniels only had a complete 10 passes in this game and looks pretty good, but it was all about the Georgia run game. 332 rushing yards a week removed from having eight rushing yeah. yards. South Carolina didn't have a prayer. And we were kind of talking about this like during the week and stuff and saying how, you know, South Carolina – you can have that type of effort once maybe, where mm-hmm. you've got a bunch of guys who are kind of stepping up, they're playing out of inspiration, but then you run into a team like Georgia that's got all these you know, five-star guys and you're kind of looking around, you're like, oh, yeah, we can't really do this for 60 minutes. And I thought Georgia was gonna score 60 in that game. They came up a little bit short of that, but they just did not have the guys. And especially, you know, they're without Shai Smith on offense. It's Luke Doty's first career start who I actually thought looked all right, and South Carolina fans were, again, really encouraged. I think if Luke Doty breaks 20 points one of these days, South Carolina fans are going to lose their freaking minds. Yeah. They love that kid. They absolutely do. Offense definitely had more juice for South Carolina, which is the good thing, and pretty efficient passing, but you couldn't really find the running lanes against that defense. Kevin Harris was bottled up. This was going to be lopsided no matter what. When that spread came out, we saw it's like 24 points or something like that. It's like... Yeah, I think I think I'd still take Georgia to cover on
1: that. Yeah. Um that that, that seemed like it was I mean twenty one points did seem like a lot, but at the same time, you're right. Like that was Was it twenty uh, one? Yeah, it was twenty-one. Like, but like still, I mean like they it it they started out I think twenty one nothing in the first quarter, right?
0: I think it was yeah, it was twenty one nothing in the first quarter, and Georgia was just I mean, hot I, knife through butter.
1: You know, I thought about this yesterday too, and maybe I need to apologize to Georgia fans because it's like I always make fun of their fans and I always have living in the state hearing like every year is their year and this is the guy that's gonna lead them to but like maybe at this point it's not their fault because the fact that JT Daniels is getting first round like first round NFL draft love is Oh, is he?
0: Oh yes. Is he? By whom? Is it Pro Football Focus? Oh, is that is that what is that what it is? I, I honestly haven't seen this. I'm just saying this because I was the I person help who you're being threw out... serious or not. I well, I'm saying this a bit tongue in cheek because I was the person who pointed out after he went off in that first start uh, last week and said, "Hey, let's not forget that he is draft eligible." And we did see a certain Georgia quarterback go into the NFL off of less. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm just saying, Georgia fans, get emotionally ready for this possibility. And if it it does, if Daniels lights it up in the last few games, very favorable matchups. I'm
1: just saying. I don't know if I would take millions of dollars to not stick around Athens, though. I will say the uh, the moment where they caught him and Setson Bennett talking about the weather on the sidelines was awkward as hell. That was, oh, man. Like, like neither one of them would make eye contact. And he was just like, yeah, that was a good throw. It was, like, it was very awkward. Very awkward. Uh, but I will say this. I think I think when you talk about his draft status, yes, it's a thing. Sure, I guess. They are a much different offense, and I hate to even say it because, like, there is there's – some, there's some, like, truth – not some truth. There's a lot of truth to it, and I, I feel like they're not crazy if they want to sit here and think, like, well, this is what could have happened because it's just a much different offense. It's a much different offense with him at quarterback.
0: The pick wasn't even his fault, too. That was a, a pretty good ball to Kyris Jackson, which yeah, it it was a catchable ball. It would have taken a nice play with him kind of falling down by the sideline, and it kind of took a miraculous South Carolina play that in which DB like barely falls in bounds. But yeah, it was a pretty on-target throw downfield. It was actually a pretty NFL throw that he made downfield as well. I'm just saying, this is going to be a storyline that's going to continue to follow Georgia, and who knows. What is in the mind of JT Daniels? Somebody who we have not heard about yeah. in terms of speaking and what his pro aspirations are, but former five-star guy, and you know this isn't exactly the way he thought his college career would start. You, you just never quite know, especially given the injury history. Are we ready to do some apologies? Are you ready to do that? Yeah, I've got a good one. Do you want, do you want to start or do you want me to start?
1: I'll start, that's fine. Um, okay, so... Um, I, I didn't know who I should apologize to. Again, this week, which is probably a a problem. Um, But I I threw out the idea on Facebook. I said, Who should I apologize to? Um, Somebody told me Cody Kirk and Michael Luker so I don't know why I owe them an apology, but I'm just letting you guys know. I'm sorry. Um, But Owen Odie Duke Jr., which is one of my favorite doo wop bands of all the 1950s. um, You have several
0: favorite doo wop bands in the 1950s?
1: Yeah. Why? Do you not? I have a top 10. Okay. Yeah. So um, More of a Motown guy myself, but that's all right. (laughs) I love Motown on Sundays. Temptations? Uh, Yeah, it's a fantastic group. Um, You know, the Spinners don't get enough respect, to be honest. We'll talk about some other time. All right, back to the apologies. I'm sorry for the Spinners for not giving y'all enough love in my my, uh, younger years. But listen, so I said, who should I apologize to? And I really, really wanted to rip Auburn fans a new one. I just, I did, because it was like... You know, I sat there and people like Dallas Johns, who I love to death, and Nathan Earle, and all these guys that I really do enjoy. Jacob Vargas, known him for over a decade. And they've said all these different things about, you know, hey, like, remember, like, that, put an extra second back on the clock, and uh, you, hey, Nick got a second, the kick six, the, the, the plays last year, all that stuff. And I really wanted to rub this in because I, I knew we were going to win. I knew it by a lot. And, and I didn't say anything passive-aggressively wrote, this is how you win with class and went to bed. And Owen Odie Duke Jr. said, you should apologize to Bama fans for being nice to Auburn this year. So I, I, I want to give a sincere apology to Bama fans. You guys are usually the worst. I'll, I'll admit it. Um, uh, the group of people. Very entitled. Very entitled bunch. But in this group, you were entitled to something. And it wasn't just winning. It was winning arrogantly. And winning brashly. And winning badly. Uh, and, and being able to talk uh, about it to, to Auburn fans. So I apologize to you. Um, and, uh, and and Owen said, we don't deserve your politeness. That's not why people listen to you. And I think, honestly, I'm going to get that tattooed on my forehead because I, I don't wanna ever, ever want to forget it. So I, I want to apologize to Bama fans. Um, and then, you know what? Honestly, I'll apologize to you for giving you so much shit about Malik Willis a couple years ago because Ooh. Malik Willis uh, is better than Bo Nix. And, um, you know, you know what they say. Just... Actually, I'm not going to say this it. too much ago. I was going to take a shot at Bo but I did
0: Let's just leave it at praise for Malik Willis. That's what yeah. I've tried to do throughout 2020. Um, I think I've made that a weekly priority. I've accomplished that. I want to apologize to Otis Reese. The Ole Miss defensive back, who I didn't personally do anything to Otis. I wasn't the person saying, you shall not play. I wasn't yeah, the person. The SEC, the NCAA, they played their part in doing that. Maybe George played a little part in that. Maybe Kirby Smart was like, hey, you know what? We don't necessarily want this. I'm not saying I know everything that happened beyond closed doors, but you know, he finally got to play. Yeah. And I feel bad for that kid that he couldn't have been wreaking havoc all year for that Ole Miss defense because he's good. Yeah. And I kind of agree with Chris Partridge for the first time in my life. And I think that he's the best player on that defense already. Yeah, I said it, whatever. Yeah. I think he can actually plug a lot of holes at that defense we talk about. There are certain players, you know, Richard LeCount, who can do a variety of things for a defense to, Plug holes and make sure that this isn't an area of weakness. He can line up on the ball. He can line up, you know, playing, you know, playing over the top, and he can just be all over the place. And that's the type of guy that he is. And I thought he looked the part. And old Miss, I've made fun of throughout the entire year. I should have been saying old Miss Sands Otis Reese because yeah. Otis Reese is a different kind of player. And hopefully, he's able to like not miss any more games because people say that he shouldn't be playing football. But I hope that he is able to um, continue to shine and become a star in the SEC. And I feel bad that he said to stood out all these games. Yeah, so, I, have, I have one more.
1: I have one more I just thought of. Fire away. It regards the Oregon State-Oregon game. And, I, and, and listen. Joe Moorhead,
0: you're apologizing too.
1: <laughs> I'm not at all. Um, oh. I, I will apologize to one of my best friends, Ted uh, McGurn who's a huge Oregon fan and sent me several texts throughout the week. Uh, he runs that bar, Diesel, and Lance, my favorite. Um, shout out, Diesel. And uh, he he said several times, tell your fiancé to suck it, because she's an Oregon State fan. Um, it's
0: aggressive to say to a woman, was, but that's okay.
1: It was Yeah, especially, yeah. you know, I didn't think about that. that. That was too much. But I will say, I do want to apologize to anybody who had to watch the broadcast, because I <sighs> just hear Muffet-Connor in a day when everything is like so pc i did get so tired of hearing the over-the-top apologies about the civil war name from a state that wasn't involved in the civil war so i just anybody that got their feelings hurt from that i i'm gonna apologize to you because you have, it's gonna be a rough life if this if you're that sensitive if they weren't even they weren't even close to being involved in that connor
0: this is true. People forget just that. just
1: don't get it. It's just Very
0: true. far west. Guess Very some lines. far west. Let's guess some lines. Week 11. It's December football in the SEC. How about we start Florida and Tennessee where there's snow in the forecast. Shut in up. Knoxville for Saturday. I looked that up on my phone right oh. beforehand because I was thinking back about all those Tennessee fans who were saying, yes, we get to face Florida in December. They get to come up to Knoxville. Yeah. Florida might be playing in some snow. I already Connor, saw the line. The I, just, I already saw the starting line of this game, so I don't want to. I don't want to guess okay. on that. I'll guess the final line before, and then I'll, I'll guess it after you guess yours.
1: Connor, here's the thing. You're talking about, you know, <laughs> them Gators coming up here to the the Smoky Mountains. I, I don't know. Is, you think it'll be 11, 14, 17? I'm, I'll say it's 17. I've seen the Gators play a lot. I've never seen them play. You in the saw snow. the
0: spread, Jeremy? I haven't Curry. seen it. Is it was you, I that right? I think it's 17 and a
1: half. <laughs> I haven't seen any of the spreads. I, I, I will, we will start here. You know what? Let me show you right now. Here we go. The weather's going to
0: impact this, I think. I think it'll bring it down to like 15 and a half. Go ahead. All right. You don't have anything pulled up. I see. I know. Okay. There's nothing. There's okay, nothing. You could have going. looked it up during the week. <laughs> alright yeah. AM Auburn. Ooh. An AM this team a that good defensively, one. yeah, surprisingly, could be a good game. An AM team who defensively played its best game of the Jimbo Fisher era mm-hmm. against uh Bonix, but Bo Nix is at home. At home. That makes the spread a little bit smaller than what I think it would normally be. AM three and a half point favorite.
1: Um I'll say AM six and a half. And I don't know, but I I just I like three and a half, I really do, but um I'll take six and a half.
0: Vandy, Georgia. Now, the Sarah Fuller Fuller factor, say that 10 times fast. If Vandy can get into field goal range, no, that doesn't impact the spread at all. Um, Georgia's going to be a significant favorite, especially at home, especially with what they've shown offensively the last couple weeks. Uh, Vandy might not score a point in this one if they can't move the ball against Mizzou. Moving it against Georgia, probably going to be really difficult. Georgia going to be a Thirty point favorite at home?
1: Uh I'll say thirty one? Is that too much like one dollar?
0: No, I think that's okay. fair. I'll take I'll take, um, that's fun.
1: I'll take thirty one.
0: South Carolina, Kentucky. Good news, South Carolina fans. You don't have to watch Will Muschamp lose to Kentucky anymore. Bad news is Kentucky, who just likes to run the ball, could be getting Chris Rodriguez back. He has missed the last two games. Number two rated rusher in America by Pro Football Focus. He has been darn good when he's been on the field. Uh, I do like like a lot of things Pro Football Focus. I didn't like their evaluation of Kyle Trask about a month and a half ago and their their justification for it. Um, Kentucky going to be a home favorite, which... Has been hard to come by this year. Kentucky will be a five and a half point home favorite.
1: Um, uh, let me see here. Oh, I don't know about that. That is five and a half. Is that not enough?
0: No, that's probably enough.
1: No, I'll say, I'll say eight and a half. South Carolina is half. bad.
0: South Carolina is bad. South Carolina is lacking dudes right about now. Yeah. Who knows about Shai Smith coming back? Arkansas, Mizzou, a game that was originally supposed to be last week and then it ends up being this week and it's one of those games that gets shuffled around. I think that Arkansas is going to be a road favorite, a slight road favorite despite the fact that Mizzou just put together a very complete game against a lackluster, depleted Vandy team. One point Arkansas favorite on the road.
1: Arkansas by three and by Mizzou immediately. Okay. If that's the case. So has been pretty good at home too. Been pretty yeah. good at home. Oh, they're, they're way better at home than they are on the road. I'm just saying, I think that way Vegas is going to make this line is like, all right, it's in, it's Arkansas. They, it makes more sense, honestly, for for it to be one. And then people buy it up because they think it's a deal. I think Mizzou wins the game outright.
0: If Mizzou wins this game, it's win number five. And Mizzou would potentially be looking at, um, could potentially be, have, have a winning regular season.
1: Yeah. Like what?
0: Crazy thought. Bama LSU. Now, I wonder how much the timing of this game will impact the spread so with LSU's defense actually presenting a tougher challenge against the pass, against an a and pass, pass offense that we respected and we were saying was doing some good things coming into this. I think it's a very different matchup, though, with Alabama. Right. And I think Vegas is still going to give Alabama a heavy, heavy amount of points. But I think it's less than what it would have been had they yep. originally played a couple of weeks ago.
1: What was it originally? Was it 28 and a half? I think it was 28 and a half or 30 or something stupid, yeah.
0: So I think it's less. Mm-hmm. I think it's Bama 24 and a half
1: on the That's road. That's exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> perfect, um, perfect. I'll, yeah, I'll say 24 and a half. And I, just, I have something to say about this, too. There's absolutely zero reason these two teams are playing this year. That makes no difference at all. They, they it, Connor, as you put it earlier on, on social media, they move mountains to make this game happen. I think I they moved five
0: game. games. I think they moved five it, games in the SEC to make it happen. Couldn't
1: hate it more. Couldn't hate it more. It, it, like, and I will say, LSU has done a much better job the past two weeks of fighting and showing they haven't necessarily given up on the season. But you have one team that has has a lot to lose, like from an injury standpoint, and you have the other team that doesn't... And this is not me complaining because, listen, if you think I'm not ready to go watch Alabama go down to the Bayou in Baton Rouge and absolutely embarrass somebody after the way these, these fans have talked um, for the past year, you're wrong. But I will say this. Anybody that wants to have that stupid, cliche, dumbass argument about how, well, you know, like Bama always gets all the breaks in the SEC. Just so we're clear, LSU missed two games, right? Who they miss them to? Bama and Florida. Bama and Florida. Bama could have played Arkansas, and they could have played LSU this weekend. Alabama's playing LSU on the road in a meaningless game, so I'm tired of hearing about that argument. Can't wait to win by 40, get out of there with with somebody, hopefully with no injuries, and and hear from all the fans why that game doesn't count because LSU's a shell of itself from a season ago. Bama can clinch a division title this week. Have we not already done that?
0: Uh, Not officially, just yet. Okay. Not officially. I know they celebrate division titles.
1: Um, pretty, <laughs> in, pretty in extremely. <laughs> yeah. That's a pretty big deal in
0: Tuscaloosa to win a yeah. division title. So
1: <laughs> we're gonna probably make a ring or put it on a cup. Yes, absolutely.
0: There's SEC basketball going on yeah. right now. If you're not following at SDS basketball on Twitter, you totally should be because where else are you gonna get all of your SEC basketball coverage that's yeah, going Adam on? Kills it with that. Yes. Adam's doing such a great job with our basketball coverage, starting five. You should totally read that. You should totally subscribe to our newsletter. Dude, check out Starting Five on YouTube. Football. Yes, yes, starting five is on YouTube. Some big time production that's going yeah. into that. It's a it's a big deal. Like I said, we're doing a lot more with our basketball coverage this year. We're gonna to continue to do a lot of great stuff with our football coverage as well. I think our news team on a given day is like churning out 30 to 40 stories or something like that. It's an absurd yeah. number at this point. And if you want to be the informed fan, you should definitely go do that. Follow us on all forms of social media at SDS. At SEC football, at the SDS Pod, at Vern Funquist, at C.J. O'Gara on Twitter. Follow us on Instagram. Saturday Down South. Join the Saturday Down South podcast Facebook group as well. Get over to our friends at Breaking Tea and get one of those fire new shirts that are out. Just
1: make sure you do it to the SDS website so we can get our. Uh, personal yes, out. yes, definitely go do that.
0: You'll see all the great shirts, and maybe not even one for your team, but you're just like, man, these shirts yeah. are fire. I want one of these
1: right now. Definitely go do that. Maler What do we need to remember on this fine Sunday? Mickey Shareme, Nick Hallaby, Sean Larkin. Listen up. Jacob we Hester. coming. Jacob Hester. We coming. We ain't backing down.
0: You're going to get Fucking so history. many coaches <laughs>